0: Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregson talks about why active listening is one of the best things you can give your teen.
1: Here's a scripture that has um, meant the world to me. It's 1 Corinthians 2, 4 through 5, and it says this, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Let me tell you a story. When, When my granddaughter, Miley, was 16, she texted me one time and she said, Hey, Papa, can we get together for dinner? just us. I quickly responded uh, that as soon as I got back in town from a speaking event, I'd come and pick her up and we'd go wherever she wanted to eat. Uh, Sure, in a heartbeat. You know what? She just wanted to talk. Not really anything remarkable or outstanding. That wasn't her point. She was really just asking, am I valuable and important enough that you'd like to get together? I heard it loud and clear, and I quickly responded with a resounding, Yes, of course. One of these days, she'll ask if we can get together again, and it will be something remarkable, maybe even earth-shattering. I'm convinced those critical conversations will never occur unless I'm willing to invest time in the smaller conversations that build trust and affection first. Many times, a parent or a grandparent is just the attending ear that listens and listens and listens and listens. And then when you're through listening, you listen a bit more. And somewhere in the midst of wearing your ears out, a a child or a grandchild begins to believe that you're a superhero, all because you showed up and engaged in the nick of time. They'll remember your stories and bits of wisdom, just as you and I did growing up from adults who spoke to us and into us. From my early childhood up to my 30s, I was like a sponge soaking up anything I could figure out who I was, what I was supposed to do, and what purpose was my life for. It might not have taken me so long if the voices I heard in my elementary and teen years encouraged more than discouraged. My sponge soaked up quite a bit of negative from people who were more critical than wise. Even after I became an adult, many other adults I knew spent time telling me what I couldn't do rather than what great things might be in store for my wife, Jan, and I. People said I shouldn't have dated Jan as long as I did. Some said we shouldn't have got married so early. We've now been married 45 years. Some folks close to me said I shouldn't work for a church. I worked on that church staff for seven years. I met many parents who thought I was constantly wrong. In fact, I couldn't do anything right in their eyes. Many said moving to Branson, Missouri to work for Young Life was a mistake. We spent seven years working at Young Life. The biggest punch in the gut was when a fellow sat with me and told me he didn't think I was capable of starting Heartlight. He thought it would fail if I tried it. thought moving to Texas was going to be a big mistake, and he stated, I just wasn't capable of the plans I thought God had for us. In a way, he was right. I wasn't capable, but God was. He knew my calling, my passion, and my purpose. He created me for it. The people I described here were naysayers, people that always saw the glass half empty and who took one-way trips to negative town, always emphasizing the worst of any situation. I've said for years that it's not the presence of negative comments, but the absence of positive comments that sets uh, one's life on course. The positive for me came from older folks in my life who chose to sit with me and listen. All times of the day, any day of the week, they could be counted on to listen to my hopes and dreams offering input only when I wanted it or asked for it. From them, I learned some important lessons that came from their ability to use experience and knowledge to make good decisions and judgments. Wisdom flowed from conversations. I'm sure they never realized the impact they were having on me, and as I reflect uh, on their effect on me, I guess their influence was what a parent or maybe a grandparent could have offered me. I've spent a lot of time looking back in my life, thinking about those people who helped me become who I am. As I try to imagine what I would be without their words and wisdom, well, you know, I just can't. And and most of these guys are dead now. Some of them have lost their spouse. Others have lost their mind. I still keep in touch with a few. But all of their legacies live on in me. When I was a youth worker... As a youth pastor at a church in Tulsa, a fellow by the name of Dave Talak told me, Mark, don't stoop to be a king when you're called to be a servant. Think about that one for a while. For me, that was a totally different perspective than being told to put others ahead of myself. The same principle, but a new way of hearing and perceiving it. The pastor of that church, Dr. L.D. Thomas, and I were out for lunch at the Tulsa Oil Club one time. I think it's closed now. And I remember him pointing to everyone in the room saying, Mark, every person in this room feels like they're carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. Another pastor there, a dear friend named Doug Burr, told me a number of times, Mark, God's going to use you. I remember the renowned author and speaker Chuck Swindoll saying, Everything that has come to you has first passed through the hands of God. I especially remember a coach, swim coach of mine named John Roberts. He was really my algebra teacher. He said, Mark, if you think you can, you will. If you think you can't, you won't. For many a race was lost before the gun even sounded. Another friend of mine named Smith Brookhart, a dear, dear friend from Branson, Missouri, would remind me, you're going to do a good thing. Spike White of Canna Camps, who took me under his wing, would say, Mark, have you thanked the guy who fired you and brought you to Texas? Another dear friend, Pete Hershen, would say when we started Heartlight, Mark, remember that your revenues will always be half of what you expect and your expenses will always be twice the amount you planned for. An older gentleman that would probably be 190 years old now had he been alive told me when talking about ministry, he said, Mark, people in ministry don't laugh enough. Then another dear friend who I spoke at his funeral recently, a guy named Joe Muberry, said this, Mark, most Christian ministries cater to women. It's our job to serve up a good meal to men. Another guy that was in my wedding, Cliff Talbert, Uh, Share with me over coffee, Mark, you got to be genuine and you got to be real. Our people won't stand to be around you. A lady named Margot Duquette, who started a program called Windridge, a therapeutic uh, equine therapy uh, camp for kids, said, Mark, how you treat a horse when you're on its back is pretty much how you treat those people that live around you. You know, all these folks probably didn't even know the impact each simple but wise sentence had on me. And I'm not sure I knew how important they were at the time. Yet in hindsight, I saw I see how each molded me and how God used them to influence me. It was these guys and this gal, Margot, that left a legacy of hope for me. And to each I am most grateful. It's interesting how each of the comments I remember these superheroes of mine making didn't use Scripture. However, each undoubtedly stood on biblical principles for their own lives. Sometimes wisdom is shared from the ways you internalize God's Word in your life. You naturally express it through golden statements based upon your experience and knowledge. In all their time with me, each of these people had similarities in their influence that presented a wonderful example to me. Now I can use my influence— In the same way, to share wisdom with now my grandchildren, and you can too. These are a few common practices to note from each one of these people. First off, these one-liners didn't come out of just one meeting. They were nuggets that I remember from a span of time we spent together together. Conversations didn't set out to solve a specific problem at a specific time. They were just ongoing conversations over a long period of time. The second thing I realized was this. These friends were intentional about training me. These meetings weren't just to shoot the breeze or pass time. They recognized they had a sponge sitting across from them, soaking up anything it could. They were purposeful, yet not agenda-driven, with a desire to pass on something that would make life different. The third thing was this that I realized, is that the time we spent together was positive. At least it seemed like it was. I'm sure they said things that needed to be said, but I always left our times together with a sense of encouragement, not discouragement. Here's what else I realized. Each one of them gave room for me to ask questions, millions of them. They weren't afraid to tell me answers I didn't want to hear, but they told them in an affirming way. I trusted them when they were right, and I trusted them when I thought they were wrong. As I reflect on these guys, I think about what they left with me, and another key thing that I picked up was this. These steadfast rocks had insight, meaning they processed their own experiences and drew out insight and wisdom to be passed on to others. Here's another thing, they told stories, their own stories of successes and failures, challenges, hurdles, and what they had learned or picked up in the process. Another thing I realized about each one of them is no matter how I saw something, each always helped me see things from a different perspective. Deep down, I knew each of these folks loved me and enjoyed the time we were able to spend together. I felt their commitment when they introduced me to their friends other colleagues, and, and folks we would bump into during our times together. Another thing I picked up was this, was unique about our meetings, was that they didn't spend time correcting me by telling me how I needed to do something different now or next time. If they did, I think I would have checked out and put them in the same category as the other naysayers in my life. And the last thing I picked up from them was they acted as a remedy helping me to figure out God's best for my life. You know, I'm sure that you can list a very similar group of people that influenced your life. And I bet you can list what each person has taught you. Well, guess what? Now it's your turn to be that influencer, the storyteller, the perspective giver, the sharer of successes, the communicator of failures, the insight injector, and the positive trainer. God has placed children, grandchildren, and other people in your life for a reason, and he also kept you in theirs for a greater purpose. You've had plenty of years to have the light shine on you. Now it's their turn. Let me read that scripture again from 1 Corinthians. It says this, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Hey, I hope you have had people involved in your life that have molded you. And I hope you have chosen some people that God can use you to mold them. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit ParentingTodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit HeartlightMinistries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.